You know, a, a concern to really any Christian today is how we see the world changing, how we see society changing. Uh, we've seen, for, for some reason, it seems like it's becoming like a snowball. It's getting worse and worse exponentially by the day. It just seems to be uh, making such a huge and large turn. And you know, some have described um, the society or the culture that we live in. You know, we used to live, I think, in what was pretty much what a, a Christian culture in our, in our uh, uh, nation. And now they're calling it kind of like a post-Christian culture. In other words, not as much of a Christian culture. Where it used to be that the majority of people were, were moral and, and they, they looked at the Bible as, as the Word of God and Jesus as the Son of God. But I don't believe necessarily that that may not be the case anymore. The majority no longer accepts certain principles, principles and morality that's taught within the Scriptures. Even to the point of ridiculing those that believe such and put faith in the Word of God. They call them old-fashioned or out of touch with society or out of touch with reality. This post-Christian culture is both something that is we notice in society as well as within the religious world today as well. Socially, Divorce, remarriage, living together without marriage, and homosexuality are now commonly accepted as alternative lifestyles and accepted by society today. Religiously, we see that there are now the role, the role of, of women in the church has become as a, a role of leadership in the church. Homosexual ministers and um, various new age religions and, and all kinds of things that look so different than what the Bible teaches when it comes to religion and the church. So things are changing and will continue to change. I don't believe for, for the better, but for the worse. So how are Christians to react to this today? I don't know that we can change it. We can do all we can to try to change. We can do what we can to try to change people's hearts. But I don't know that we can change it. God is in control. But man is uh, certainly going to do what man wants to do regardless of what God wants him to do. What can we do to change the direction in which society is heading? But I, I don't believe necessarily that we can, but we can try with God's help. We can try to protect not only the church, but we can protect ourselves and maybe protect others that we come in contact with. I believe that the scriptures provide the answer, though, for in the letter written by Paul to the church at Philippi. And in that time, this was certainly at the inception of the church. This was one of the new congregations in the church after it had been established by Christ. So writing to Christians living in the city that was heavenly, heavily influenced excuse me, by, by Roman culture, influences of paganism and intellectualism and uh, immorality, 
and, and all different kinds of things of the day. And so the things that Paul wrote to them at that time, I believe in that culture, in that pagan culture, in that immoral society at that time, I believe apply to us today as well in the society that we see today. So as we notice in Philippians, the second chapter, verses 12 through 16, we read there, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. So this lesson is to notice what Paul is talking about here in these verses, in these passages, in, this, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And it provides hope for us. <clears throat> it provides guidance for us, I believe, as not only individuals, but as a church. Now, we have to realize that this letter was written, written to the church and telling them all these things that they need to do. But I believe that these things apply to us individually today. And he says the Christians are to shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And I believe that involves these six points that Paul has brought out here. He says he talks about working out our own salvation. And we're going to notice all these. We're probably going to notice maybe one or two this morning. This, we're not going to get all this in today. But he says to work out your own salvation. He says to do that with fear and trembling. He says by letting God work in us and doing things without murmuring and disputing as children of God without, without fault and holding fast the words of life. So if we're going to shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, we must do so by working out our own salvation first. <clears throat> you know, when we live in this type of world, we have reactions to that. We, we, we see things going on that we didn't see going on. And, and I, sometimes maybe our reaction is just to look away. Some it's, sometimes our reaction is to, to get involved and try to correct those wrongs, whatever it may be. But we have a reaction to that. Maybe it's disgust. Maybe it's that um, sometimes it's maybe that we just become so calloused by it that we just kind of overlook it now. I don't know what it is, but, but a lot of times we, we have a reaction. And to work out means to actively work to bring something about as you're striving and giving all your energy for this purpose. The goal is our salvation. So that means that there's effort that has to take place working out our own salvation. It's like working a puzzle. When we work a puzzle, the whole purpose is to find all the pieces 
to come together to make the puzzle complete and full and finished. And so it is with our lives that we work out our salvation. We work towards, we give all of our energy and all of our talent, all of our purpose, all of our, our being towards the point of accomplishing salvation. There's effort. Not only does, uh, is it something that he commands here, I believe it is our duty as the church to save those that are lost in sin. But it's our duty to save ourselves also. As the church, we have a goal, we have a, we have a mission of the church, but we also have a mission as individuals to save ourselves. Why? Because God commands it. There's no command, I think, more frequent in the scriptures than for people to turn from sin, repent, and be saved. Also, I believe it's our duty because of our own personal interest in the state is at stake. No one else has or can have as much interest in our salvation as we do. I'm sure that you are not as interested in my salvation as I am. So we have a personal interest. We have a personal interest in saving ourselves. It's every person's individual duty to be prepared for eternity. I cannot prepare you. I can teach, we can preach, we can, we can counsel, we can try to help, we can pray. But it's your individual responsibility to save your soul from the dangers of hell. Everyone who's outside the church, everyone that is outside of Christ and is perishing in sin needs a Savior to save them also from their sins. We try to help them as well. Also, it's our duty because our friends cannot save us. No effort on their part can keep us from eternal death without us doing our part as well. You know, we can, we've seen people that have attended worship services all their life and gone to meetings and, and been counseled and preached to and all these kinds of things, but we can keep on praying for them and preach and teach and counsel them and everything else, but the only thing that's going to change them is them. That's the only thing that will change them. So we cannot save others. We, only Christ gave his life for our salvation, but it's up to us to save ourselves. It's our duty because the salvation of the souls will not take care of itself without us doing our part. God has done his part, but we have to do our part. We have to. It's a duty because there's no reason to expect that God will intercede without our following his plan of salvation. Nothing like that is promised to man in any way that we can do this without our part being done as well. God has done his part, as we say. We have to follow his plan and do our part. You know, also, it's a duty because we don't just deserve salvation on the grounds of our own merit. We cannot earn salvation. There's no way in the world we could earn. We have to try to work towards our salvation, meaning that we make an honest effort 
to be saved by the way which God has designed and planned and has already done his part. We believe in Christ as our Savior and honestly put him in the forefront of our lives and trust him and put our confidence in him. We turn away from sin to repentance which means a change of mind, which results in a change of life. We confess the name of Christ and then are baptized into Christ for the remission of our sins. And we give up all that we have to God and become a living sacrifice. <clears throat> I put one extra dot there that I wasn't supposed to do, so I went forward with the slide too soon. We break away from evil. And all the, that, may, that may mean that we give up certain friends and, and certain activities or whatever it is to, to uh, focus our life on living the Christian life. And we're supposed to resist, resist temptations of the world and then working through all those temptations to come out the other side, hopefully in the right place. We must do everything we can and all that... All that is to be done to be ready to, to uh, ready for Christ's return. Not doing just the minimum and hope that we can just barely slide in, but prepared. We know what it is, what it means to be prepared for heaven or, or preparing ourselves for something. That means that we, we, we take the time to think about what we're doing, we make a plan, we execute that plan. And we gather everything that we need to be able to accomplish our task and our, and our goal. And we're prepared when the time comes to, to do that, that we have everything that we need. And every, we're, we're prepared and ready to, ready to go. And so our life here on earth is one of preparation for eternity. So to shine as lights in the world, we must develop a Christ-like character by growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter talks about this and talks about falling away in 2 Peter 3 and verses 17 through 18. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these, these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. How are we going to grow? How are we going to shine as a light in the world? You know, with the right way, the world becomes more dark and dark and dark. You would think that even if we just sustain what we've got, the light gets brighter and brighter in the darkness. We have to maintain at least what we have or become brighter. How do we become brighter? How, we, how do we become more Christ-like? How do we take on a more Christ-like character? By understanding what Christ was like and striving to be like him. How do we do that? By reading about him, by studying about him, by worshiping him. If I want to know how to fix something, I have to do the study. So if we want to be more Christ-like, we have to grow in knowledge of Jesus Christ. Also in 2 Peter 1 verses 5 through 11, 
by developing Christ-like qualities, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It requires diligence and an ever-increasing growth in our faith in these graces. To lack these things jeopardizes our entrance into the kingdom of God. Notice in verses 9 through 11. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So there's a need for diligence. There's a need for effort on our part. It takes work. Now, um, you know, sometimes we've seen people that are waiting for something to happen, someone to say something, something to encourage them, something to... Um, um, I'm looking for a certain word and not able to think of it but something to trigger them to do what is right, that they already know what is right, but to do what is right. We can't wait for that. We have to do our part. We have to work diligently and put our effort into our salvation. Also, we develop a Christ-like character by putting off the old man and putting on the new man. As Paul wrote in first, uh, Colossians 3 and verses 1 through 17, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, and evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now ye have also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and put on the new man which is re renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you also, <clears throat> so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So as we summarize this text, we see it involves that we set our minds on things above, that we stop doing the things that are not pleasing to God, that we put on the new man, which is in the image of Christ, that we develop this Christ-like manners in our, and qualities in our life, that we allow God's peace to rule in our hearts, letting God's word dwell in us richly and, and singing and through singing and doing all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's how we develop a Christ-like character is mimicking the things that Christ does and putting on these qualities, putting these things into our life and putting other things out of our life. Paul also wrote in 2 Corinthians 4 and 3 through 6, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So what do, does the world see in us? Do they see Christ in us? Do they see Christ living in us? Do they see this light shining from us in our lives? We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information, or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.